All right, here's the next part of the uh, super long Anime World Order Decade in Review. Not really too much to say about this one, other than the fact that I'm releasing this on the 24th of March, which is my birthday. This is what I did for the entire day was edit this podcast. I am 30, which is the official otaku expiration date. Therefore, this might be the very last Anime World Order you will ever hear. Because I will either die or stop caring about anime entirely. It's either that or I'm going to record reviews right now. I accept cash for birthday presents. Yeah, we still have a donate button for PayPal. Oh yeah, that's the other thing I should do is downgrade this Lipson account now that I've finished moving over everything to Lipson. Anyway, here, listen to this. Hey, welcome back. This is the Anime World Order podcast, our sort of bonus episodes as we uh, continue <laughs> this excursion into the 2000-2009 uh, in review. Not really our typical format <laughs> of episodes. We are not joined by Matt Alt this time because he's actually got to work. <laughs> Go figure. I don't know if you were aware that he actually had uh, to make a living, but I'm as shocked as you are, quite frankly. But he will be back for, I guess, uh, the ultimate wrap-up at the very least. Just couldn't deal with us for that many weeks in a row, huh? <laughs> we actually missed a week, but during that week that we missed, all of us did uh, guest appearances on other podcasts. Clarissa was on The Greatest Movie Ever podcast at goobrazilla.wordpress.com. It was Paul Chapman time, only there were not uh, unicorns. I mean, <laughs> remember, that's the rule. Anytime you see unicorn, you say, it's Paul Chapman time. Gerald and I were on the Anime News Network podcast, the ANCAST, as well as the Anime 82 podcast, anime82.blogspot.com, although, you know, Regan Strongblood likes to be like, I'm going to release a file that's like 150 megs and it's three hours long, and maybe there's a feed, maybe not, I don't know. Yeah, those ones we were talking about on the ANCAST, the, the vital news of the day at the time was Dance in the Vampire Bund editing issue that was going on. And then for Anime 82, we were talking about, he asked us all 12 questions, as long as we could tolerate answering them. Anyway, for this episode, we are going to start pretty much where we left off last time. Uh, where last we left off, we just talked about 2004 and the previous notable anime titles up to that point. If you want to listen to that, the website is www.animeworldorder.com. Com. I've been getting a lot of feedback. Keep it coming. You know, we do read it all, even uh, when you disagree with us and we say how stupid you are for disagreeing with us. <laughs> our email address is animeworldorder at gmail.com and our voicemail, 206-666-4296. I guess the main issue that we sort of left with at the end of 2004, we kind of sort of said this was one of the peak years as far as like the boom period of anime from 2000 to 2009. It's not to say that there were no good shows uh, after 2004, but we're going to start seeing maybe from this point on sort of cracks in the armor, so to speak. I definitely think so, yeah. I think uh, I mean, there's like, some good years left. Yeah, yeah I think so, there too. Were, there were 2006 good years. 2006 and 2008 both had a decent amount of shows for me. I'm the same way. 2005 might be the worst year, not to say that there weren't any good shows that came out that year. Yeah, I but don't have very many listed. I have very few. The number of shows being produced continually rising, whereas the amount of shows that we liked seeming to stay relatively constant 
uh, among the years. This year, it was actually, the total number shows actually a little less than 2004. Uh, it's about like 164, 170, something about there. The amount that I like <laughs> is close to like, I don't know, 8, 10, 11, maybe. Uh, yeah. It's not yeah. a huge amount. I've got a good list of crappy shows from this year. We've got lists we're going through. I know people are like really obsessed with like posting the lists. I haven't been posting the list on the website just because people just read the list and then not listen to this to hear why we said, you know, something was good or bad. So if mm -hmm. you want to really obsessed about making the list, transcribe it yourself. Let me actually go into like my favorite show of the year. I went through 2005 and I actually didn't have a show that like, stood out as this is the best show of the oh, year. Oh, come on. I know your number one is Final Fantasy VII Advent Children. Advent Children? <laughs> <laughs> that is definitely on my list. Probably somewhere... the, one of the number one selling anime titles of all time in America. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Still sells huge. Mm -hmm. I don't especially like the movie, but I mean, I'll admit that it is sort of <laughs> a technically movie. accomplished, and I guess it counts as a movie. I think it served its purpose. I think it did exactly what it was supposed to do. Years ago, I wrote a review for it on the Anime Hell forum, like their message board. It's still there. It's still pretty long where I just kind of said, this is something that only sort of works if you're a fan of the game. And a lot of people are. But even if yeah. you're a fan of the game, even if you're a fan of that game, the way that movie has to work is it has to undo the character accomplishments of the game for the sake of having the movie. You kind of have to be the type of fan that really, really like after the game, it's like, it's not enough. I have to go read fan fiction. Because that mm. movie was basically fan fiction. Because I'm a fan of the game. I like Final Fantasy VII. In but... order to get the situations where they needed to be, they had to dial back some character developments and such. And that's not to say anything of like choreography and camera work and such. You know, Tetsuya Nomura and his like intense zooming in on the dude's eyeball <laughs> in, in the middle of like. And his split second cuts that are just there for, I don't know. <laughs> No purpose. But yeah, that, that was your, your favorite, right, Gerald? Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, actually, my favorite, and this is because I haven't seen Mushishi, so maybe it would be my favorite, but my favorite was probably um, iShield 21. Oh, wow. And that's not to say that iShield 21 is the greatest show ever. In fact, any other year, it would probably just be a show that I was like, yeah, this was a good show from that year. But this year was so kind of flat for me. This one had the most positive portrayal no. of black people. No Emma? I didn't watch all of Emma. Oh. But yeah, Mushishi is definitely worth a mention yeah. as far mm -hmm. as like a, a awesome show. I mean... Fantastic show, yeah. I reviewed it in Otaku USA, which is why we never reviewed it on the podcast. Actually, from this point on... Late 2005 was when the podcast started, so a lot of these things we'll actually be able to say, oh yeah, and we reviewed this, because a lot of it's a little more contemporary. But yeah, yeah. Mushishi, really, really good atmosphere, really good music, good animation. I mean, it's not the most heavy-duty story characterization piece. No, it's a very atmospheric kind of piece. It's very much about the main character and sort of the environment that he exists in. It's very episodic. There's a little bit of recurring characterization. A little similar to like Blackjack almost. And you have this guy who has this, you know, very uh, specific job that he does to, to help people and he's very good at it. In this case, he kind of wanders around and sort of does all these odd jobs for people that, that need him to deal with these specific situations. And so there's not very many recurring characters. Pretty sure he's the only one. The, well, there's the doctor oh, that yeah. he occasionally stops by to hang out with. I guess on the subject of like the doctor, and you mentioned Blackjack, this was when Blackjack TV started, wasn't it? This was the year that the movie came out. 
the new movie and the TV series had already been running. Yeah. And then the other one that I, I mentioned briefly was Emma. The manga has been released here and both seasons of the anime have been released. Really not like a, a blockbuster series, but it has a, a very strong following. I the haven't read the that's, manga. That's actually about what maids really do. It's not really like a fetishy kind of maid show. That's um, what I mean. I guess you could say in some ways it is. I mean, the author of the original manga is like obsessed with maids and maid uniforms. But, um. And the author's a female, by the way, so it's not. Yeah, they're not quite as obsessed. much obsession with the absolute territory. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, fairly historically accurate. Of course, there are some things that are not dealt with too heavily or things that are, are exaggerated a little bit, but. The original artist did a lot of work, a lot of research into Victorian England. It's not like it's a story you've never seen before, but it's incredibly well executed. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I highly recommend the anime, and I've heard fantastic things about the manga as well. Speaking of superbly well executed, this was also the year that Speedgrapher came out. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> Probably the highlight of the Gonzo television reel. Like, you have a Gonkutsu Last Exile Speedgrapher. It's like the yes. solid third place. <laughs> I've not been able to bring myself to watch that. The level of bullshit is so high, it just kind of like transcends the typical Gonzo mediocrity and to just be like, <laughs> fuck it. I don't even care yes. anymore. <laughs> well, well, speaking of absolutely over-the-top ridiculous things, I mean, this was the year that Akagi yes. came out, which is... Fantastic, over-the-top, insane Mahjong. Right. This was like kind of where the gambling anime kind of really started to take off. I yeah. I recall not really watching Akigi when it first came out. It sort of was a thing where it came out, it happened, people who saw it liked it, most people didn't bother. And then after yeah. like, you know, the next year or so when Kaiji came out, then people went back and said, Oh yeah, Akigi is cool. Right. I would keep seeing images of Akagi posted on 4chan and I was like what the hell is this series but it took me a long time to get around to watching it it wasn't until actually when you reviewed Kaiji I watched Kaiji first and then I went back and watched Akagi after that and I kind of barreled through both of those (laughs) yeah you go through pretty fast yeah the other like real artistic highbrow sort of animation there were some great oavs i think as far as true merit dokuro-chan is probably (laughs) the top level i'm I'm gonna leave it at that because i'm actually the next uh, otaku usa i'm writing about dokuro-chan that is i've not actually seen that I have seen a chunk of it. The autobiography of Aaron Finnegan. Yes. <laughs> Noah Fillmore, really. So it's it's probably one of the more disturbing sort of shows like that, just because of the gore level that this main character has to like go through. Completely brilliant OAV. Well, I really thought it would be the kind of thing you'd hate, Daryl. Well, the thing is, it's, it's so like the joke is pedophilia. The joke is you got raped. Getting raped is the joke. This is the punchline to the joke here. Are you laughing? What do you mean you're not laughing? Child molestation. That is the joke here. I thought the joke was also, oh, she turned over in bed and then smashed his head off and like part of his head and his brains are flying out all over the place. And That's funny. Like, okay, it's funny every time, but the main joke is really, I'm going to, you know, be criminally underage and be like, hey, look at this criminally underage person. You're a pervert for looking at that criminally underage person. Die now. Except, you know, the people watching it are the people who like looking at criminally underage people. So it's like, who's really playing the joke on who here? Well, speaking of things that 
sort of have incredibly dubious subject matter involving underage girls, but oh. that actually kind of turned out to be brilliantly entertaining. Um, 2005 was the year uh, Strawberry Marshmallow came out, which oh, is yeah. a, a show that makes you feel kind of bad for liking it, but it's it's actually really well done. Yeah, if you, what, don't, what if you don't read the manga, where it's like the yeah. same yeah. story happens, only it's like really child molester camera angles on the panels, right. then anime is like fairly innocuous on its own. It's a show yeah, that's got not- some of the more brilliant sort of timing when it comes to comedy. Mm-hmm. That's really the essence of comedy. I was really impressed with how well done that part was of it. Did we ever review it? No. I no, don't I think, think we, we were ever too did. afraid to. So. <laughs> I think it was like a threat to review it. But like, as far as comedy, I think the worldwide anime fandom introduction to Manzai came with Gag Manga Biori. I think oh, that's yeah. when it started, oh, yeah. 2005. I think we're on season four of that. This is just like a great little series. I mean, it's just every episode is pretty much standalone. I mean, there's some recurring bits, but they're all based on that Monzai comedy that Japan is such a fan of. And I think it works really well. I don't know if it can beat the comedy of the decade that came out this year, which was Hellgirl. Oh, yeah. Hellgirl. <laughs> now, Hellgirl is not a comedy at all. No, it really isn't. Hellgirl is a really interesting series. I, I reviewed it for Otaku USA, and overall, it's a series that I like, but at the same time, it has a lot of flaws, and it is often unintentionally hilarious. Yeah, every episode is kind of the same thing. I remember Misha was talking about that show, and he hated the show because he'd say it's typical Japanese horror, where a yeah. girl will, will see like a bouncing ball, and the ball will roll to her, and she'll pick it up, and the ball's a skull. Oh, no! <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) Oh, I wanted to also mention something that came out this year that, in my opinion, was kind of a missed opportunity. The web series King of Fighters Another Day. (laughs) Oh, God. Yeah. The thing is, is that I really liked Fatal Fury, and the King of Fighters series has got this really, really convoluted storyline that might actually work in anime form. The problem is, is that the Another Day series was, what, five-minute long or three-minute long web episodes that... Yeah, really short. Very, very short. Pretty well done in terms of production values for little web episodes, but I mean, I was kind of hoping that they would do something more with that, but I guess it wasn't popular enough, or whatever. The rule is people just don't care about King of Fighters. Oh, we're going to get so many angry letters. The lore of King of Fighters, like, how dare you not play? This one (laughs) wasn't in continuity of the King of Fighters. (laughs) This year, I mean, we're actually doing a panel on this phenomenon in Anime Boston in a couple of weeks, but when the remakes of anime started to kick off, I mean, we started talking about some previous ones in the previous episodes, like the new Getter Robos and that new Fist of the North Star and that sort of thing. But uh, this year, one of the first... Uh, reviews I ever did on the podcast. There was a remake of Area 88, a TV show that kind of was watched by nobody, had pretty low budget animation, and especially for its CG, um, especially for the TV show broadcast. But I thought it was um, a pretty decent modernization, although it had its fair share of problems. I won't go into it here. The US release, they had to change all the licensed music. I guess they just never bothered to tell anyone because they figured this is just Area 88 and no one's going to notice, and nobody noticed. It's not like now or some show nobody ever heard of, and you hear it's getting edited, and they go crazy. There was no riot over the fact that, like, hey, how dare you take out all this licensed music for a U.S. release of Area 88. Mm -hmm. But I was there, I was watching, I was mad, but no one else was. (laughs) Oh, and this is the year uh, Daryl and I, our favorite song, came out in this show. I guess this is 
somewhat related. This is the year that we became a hero with G.I. Joe Sigma-6. Yeah, yeah, it's not really anime. It's more just Gonzo (laughs) doing their mercenary work back when people cared to go to Gonzo to do these sorts of things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they tried to bring back G.I. Joe. Every couple of years, they try to do a new one, and a lot of times it doesn't really work out. I actually thought that it could have been pretty good. Uh, Just, uh, you know, four kids shows. What are you going to do? Yeah, I really thought that we would start to see more U.S. collaborations with Gonzo because the only thing that they can do well is animation if they're given a decent budget for it. But this was the only one that I know of. Do you know of any other U.S. collaborations that happened? Gonzo just kicked out so much stuff. I didn't even bother to keep count of like everything Mm. that they were making over Mm. time. This is actually one that's kind of listed as like a lot of people's show of the decade. I don't know if I would go so far, but uh, this is out my Santa. Yes, yeah, yeah. that's Clarissa's yes. favorite. Oh, as far God. as far as like number of times she's seen it, number of copies she owns, uh, Itsudate My Santa is definitely Clarissa's favorite. I can think of no actually, other anime she's seen more. No, I actually don't. Uh, they they only sent me like a a pre-release screener. Oh, I thought I gave you like their full on like stocking with the candy canes taped together to form a heart version of like. Th- I don't think so, unless I just blocked it out of my memory because I was so traumatized. <laughs> Probably. Just lit it on fire just, just subconsciously. <laughs> Not Itsudate, my Santa, but this was like uh. the year that Bones had a couple big hits. Erika 7 is pretty much mm. like, you know, one of the big mecha shows of the decade as far as like a new franchise that came out that was well-received. Yeah. I mean, a ton of Wasn't people... Wasn't Shoji Kawamori only involved in mech designs in this? I think that's probably why it was okay. <laughs> yeah, that was the only way you can ever involve him without your show being shit. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, people are divided on the movie, but, you know, a lot of people really like TV show. Similarly, Bones also had the Full Metal Alchemist movie. I mean, we talked about FMA... Uh, in the mm-hmm. previous ones, and they did this movie, which, again... It's fan fiction, isn't it? Basically, it's this, you know, <laughs> again, not related to the manga story at all. It's not at all being remade now or fitting into anything current. It was kind of just like, all right, we're not sure if we're going to continue storyline-wise from the TV show, so we'll just kind of... Well, they had already diverged a lot from the manga, and they had kind of closed things up. They diverged things and pretty much ended stuff, and so they were like, this made a whole lot of money, and so very similar to my objection with Advent Children, for this movie, they had to undo developments from the TV show for the sake of keeping your story going, and so I had some problems with that, but I did review that probably way back in, like, show 42 or something of this podcast. It was way, way back, but not as far back as Gerald's second favorite anime of the year. His first favorite <laughs> anime, Advent Children. His second favorite is actually something I actually like. I'm not apologizing for it. Karis? Karis, yes. I knew. That was, that's at the top of my list of worst. <laughs> no, no way. This is a Aww. fantastic Tatsunoko Come anniversary project. It is not project. worse than it's not, it is not worse than that. And actually, no. I'll give you this, Gerald. The first couple episodes, like... It's like six episodes, so three of them are bad. They're not bad. I'm just going to say, they're not even unwatchably shitty. bad. They're just very confusing. They were horrible. No, no, it's great. I loved it. Oh, I hated this uh, show. I reviewed it in show 20, and to this day, people don't understand that the audio bits I put in there are not actually from Chorus at all. They were just sound bites from Thief 2, and nobody played that game. <laughs> well, how can you blame them if they haven't seen the show, though? They didn't play the game. That's the real objection. And so they're like, oh, this thing must suck. Look at the dubbing on it. <laughs> One, how dare you hate on Stephen Russell's Truman Capote impersonation. Two, <laughs> The show is good. 
No, it's not. Yeah, it is. Fantastic. Phenomenal. Almost as good as Final Fantasy VII Last Order. Oh. Which was only released in America if you bought, like, the Super Ultra Deluxe Advent Children. And that was, like, the non-CG one. It was, like, animated regularly. Oh, yeah. Probably one of the more depressing shows I've ever seen. Psychono came out this year. I actually don't even have that on my list of, like, good things. I mean, it is a Gonzo show. It's, no, I didn't put it on list. Yeah. I, I put it on as kind of disappointing, because it's a show that just went nowhere. It really should have been like a movie. It might have been an acceptable movie. It's- Psychono infuriated me, because I can very clearly see how that show could have been fantastic and amazing. That's what that's just my was problem. Not. You want to talk about that phenomenon? 2005 was kind of like the end point of what I call the biggest disappointment of the entire decade. New Type Magazine? <laughs> I wasn't even going to mention it, but people were like, what about this? I'm talking about Gundam Seed Destiny, the second review I ever did on the podcast, but I think... You want to talk about a bigger disappointment, you're not going to find one. This is like the Phantom Menace. After Gundam Seed, you know, you can go back and forth whether you liked it, but it was massively, massively popular. The expectations for this show were huge. It was the only time ever that they ever did a full-fledged TV show sequel to an alternate universe Gundam. The viewership rating for, like, the first episode is one of the highest, like, ever. Like, 8.2 or something. That's, like, One Piece level viewership rating the single for it before the show came out the highest selling gundam single ever only time a gundam song was ever number one on the music charts in japan the oricon charts yeah and then the show turned out to be gundam seed destiny and so the viewership rating was pretty much cut in half and it never ever recovered by the time gundam double o started years later the average rating for that was even lower And so that kind of, like, really, really screwed everything up. It was supposed to be, like, you know, the Zeta Gundam of this AU retelling, and it ended up being, like, just the Matrix Revolutions or whatever. Didn't uh, that director, like, disappear after that show Yep, the director and screenwriter were a husband and wife duo, and um, they never worked in anime ever again. Uh, Part of it was probably due to, I I guess, they got horribly ill, like, I think his wife. But also, just the level to which you dropped the ball. I mean, you know, okay, great, congratulations, you know, you made X many good shows, but, like, you screw up this as badly as it did. I mean, I don't want to go into it again. I vaguely recall the raw recording for that review being 45 minutes long, and whatever I posted as show number three is 15 minutes long, because, I mean, I could just go on forever about, like, very Mr. Plinkett, like, Gundam Seed Destiny is the stupidest TV show <laughs> ever made, you know, and, and I'd be right. Actual good shows. Yeah, yeah, well, I mean, in terms of continuations that didn't ruin everything, I mentioned before that Full Metal Panic had come out and then it had gotten switched from Gonzo to Kyoto Animation, but they did Second Raid, which was the continuation from the first series with the mecha and the action scenes. It was noticeably much better Mm. than the first season. So luckily did not ruin everything. There's way more stuff in the novels. People keep waiting for when they're going to announce more Full Metal Panic, but so far, KyoAni has been making too many millions of dollars uh, equivalent. Off of selling, like, you know, 70,000 copies of, like, Endless 8 on Blu-ray or whatever it is that happened. Well, yeah, I mean, Harhee and Lucky Star and, like, all of the key adaptations. That comes later. But I think this year, we also got, finally, another continuation of the glass mask which i believe was oh, yeah. just released on dvd 
by uh, Sentai Filmworks. Kind of quick and dirty release. They kind of just took the streaming ones and put it on DVD, which is coming to the norm. But The Glass Mask is this super ultra-long running shoujo series all about actors getting slapped in the face. I'm pretty sure that's what that series is about. I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure that's what happens. 30 plus from... years or so? Yeah, it's, it's still not over yet. I think it's actually wrapping up. I think they like announced yeah, that. Yeah, it is. But if you're a fan of like the old style shoujo, it's like super ultra melodramatic. This to me is like the best shoujo. Then yeah, the, the glass mask is great. It wasn't a bad year for shoujo. The adaptation uh, for Paradise Kiss came out this year. That's also another Gerald favorite. That show infuriated me. No, yeah, no, just, I really like the main character a lot, and then like, ah, she just made some decisions. Don't that just fuck the guy with the safety pin through his butt or whatever <laughs> it is. No, but you know it happened. So, wanted- so yes, people in in shows must be perfect for Gerald to like them. Well, if they make enough bad decisions, then they... They gotta not screw the guy with the safety pin piercing. It's like, if what if the guy in Violence Hero Riccio got tail? It's like, no. I wanted to mention something like the previous year, but I couldn't get my bit in. But the sequel to this show came out, IGPX2. And I'm mentioning that because that show came out when anime was really, really big. And this was a very expensive show. And they hired Haley Joel Osment to... Back when he still their- meant something. Now he's just like this creepy old guy begging and pleading that they make another Kingdom Hearts game. <laughs> yeah, they put a lot of money into the show, and I actually went to... Uh, Production IG had like a presentation at a university in South Florida that I went to. They actually said at this presentation, why aren't you guys watching the show? Nobody is watching IGPX. We're losing so much money on the show. I guess Production IG didn't want to do the TV thing ever again after that. I think it was Production IG. Maybe I'm wrong. Uh, yeah, it was. I mean, of course they did. Blood Plus was the same year. It's also a pretty high-budget letdown. Mm-hmm. Pretty bad deal. It's pretty expensive uh, failure yeah. as far as all that. I don't know how it got a second season. Maybe this was already planned and in the process or something, but or double or nothing, but that show was just a big, big failure. Other things, like, really expensive. I'm not going to call this a failure, but it was kind of destined to be, like, super hardcore otaku bait and that's kind of where this year started to gravitate towards like these otaku level shows that are kind of either not just remakes of old things that are accessible but like super you can only watch this if you're a crazy fan of this the wings of reen oh did anyone God. see this i have all of it no this is like the ultimate yoshiyuki tamino that is like most uh, obtuse and crazy horrible I mean, I, I'm not, like, a huge Or Battler Dunbine fan, but this is presumably an adaptation of, like, the same novels that were adapted into Or Battler Dunbine, and just completely nuts and ridiculous. I would say I liked Overman King Gainer, which was last year, but this one, I can watch it, but don't ask me to tell you what it's about, because I don't fucking know. I think that this is where, I mean, you're seeing it the previous year, but I think Tomino's just getting more and more senile, and just no one will tell him, no, you can't have this, or no, you can't do this. But yeah, it was only a thing for the people who still were big, big fans of Or Battler Dunbine, which, again, like we said, really a bad release in America, Big failure. They kind of tried to make it another Robotech. Yeah, because they got like Carl Masek to work on it, but they tried releasing it like one disc at a time. Turns out mm-hmm. the thing that was another Robotech was the other Robotech, the Shadow Chronicles that mm-hmm. came out, which I don't really count as anime, but it did a whole lot better. With the original series, there were three distinct series, so you could write in someone saying, you know, hey, Commander Hunter said this or said that. And now with this, they have their own animation, and they were 
trying really, really hard to make it work. It didn't work for me. Yeah, well, the animation just wasn't good enough. It wasn't up to par. It was all that. So we're assuming we're talking about Shadow Chronicles and not yes, Wings yes. of Reen. Wings of Reen's animation is great. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I mean, that made me pretty upset. I know a lot of people really go to bat for Robotech the Shadow Chronicles. My response to that is, fuck you. <laughs> Other TV shows, another thing that came out that was a total letdown, uh, The Giver, the TV show for that. Uh. I never... Got around to watching that. Giver was like this big deal in the 80s, this OAV that had this like Mm -hmm. legendary status as like, you know, the manga video. They had live action movies too, right? Two live action movies. Uh, The second one is really, really good. First one is worth seeing because it's got Mark Hamill in it for a second. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, the Giver, they really marketed the shit out of this. I mean, as far as ADV licensing it and all this is like the new face of ultraviolence is the old face of ultraviolence. Being a TV show, the animation wasn't quite as good as the old OAVs in movie and you can't show as much craziness. It's more faithful to the manga, but for my money's worth, that manga isn't as good as the uh, old OAVs. But I mean, hey, I think that this was the first time that ADV tried their, like, digital distribution. I remember I, I watched the first episode of this because they gave away the first episode for free online. I remember thinking, you know, if this is how they're going to do it, this is going to be a failure. Because you have to sign up for the site, you have to download this special program mm-hmm. and install this codec. And then it was like $4 an episode. I don't know how people don't understand. The whole point is the only way you're going to get people to not, like, torrent it is by making it easy. If it's easier to go watch the official thing than to go to the trouble of downloading a torrent or whatever, then people will do it. But if you make it too hard... Yeah, and then you had like 72 hours to watch that episode before it expired, and all this bullcrap that people from the beginning said this is not going to work, no one's going to go for it, and nobody ever did. Nobody ever learns. The video game industry, movies, I mean, even on DVD releases, people still have not seemed to grasp the concept of don't punish legit customers with your DRM. Right. We could go on for this forever. We've gone on for yeah. it in the past. But I think this wrap of the year. Honey and Clover, who saw it? I saw about six episodes of it. I'm really embarrassed, but I still haven't gotten around to watching it. People are back and forth on, you know, whether or not it's good. I think as far as being a show that's presumably for, you know, older audiences thought it was was well made as far as that goes it kind of helps to watch it if you're sort of like living that experience at the time of being like out of college person who doesn't really know what to do with their life Mm -hmm. i stopped watching it just because it felt like it wasn't really going anywhere but i liked what i watched and i do mean to watch more of it the only other thing that i had on my list i'm kind of torn like i can never decide if i think this is a good show or or a disappointment 2005 was the year that they started the adaptation for holic one of Clamp's newer series. I mean, I think a lot of people at least appreciated it because the anime for Tsubasa had come out. And that's the one that was just terrible. Totally fucked up because I think they gave it to like B-Train or something terrible. Some shitty studio. And yeah, they totally fucked it up. Holic, I believe, was done by Production IG? Yeah, that sounds right. Holic Production IG. Either that or Madhouse, one of the two. I know it was a big studio. Someone that that was actually talented, other than B-Train, was never made uh, anything good ever. Jinky Extend. This is a show that could have been an awesome, ridiculous, giant robot show. I mean... Yeah, you you look at that opening. Yeah, there's an episode in this where they have to fight for a particular giant robot by playing soccer in giant robots. They could have really done, like, some crazy stuff with this, but instead, they made it super serious. It didn't work. 
and it's just a terrible, terrible show. And also, again, like the otaku level, as far as like, you know, the mecha is only for these crazy people. I mean, the opening for that was this almost shot for shot, a parody of the original opening to Gundam, which mm-hmm. was from the 70s. And you have to know these sorts of things. They're assuming that you are like the kind of person who can catch that to make this show, even though it's, it's original property, still got this aura of inaccessibility about it. I mean, the main character was a girl that built giant robots like the Plamo. The plastic models. Of course, the manga for that has like the big two-page splash of her getting her hymen busted or whatever. And so, you know, it's like totally, who is this for? And I just want to wrap this up by reading uh, Matt Alt's summary of 2005 in his CNN Go article. It actually um, brings up a title I was going to mention, but once I saw you mention it, I was just bringing out here. 2005. Just as foreign audiences are warming up to the idea that animated fare isn't just for kids, Japan's anime industry throws them a curveball. The success of the novel and television series Densha Otoko, an alleged true story about an otaku who gets up the nerve to ask out a normal woman he encounters on the train during his daily commute, legitimizes and empowers the local otaku community. This, in turn, (laughs) leads to more and more animated series aimed squarely at their demographic, because said demographic consists almost entirely of eternally single, socially awkward men. Their tastes tend towards wish-fulfillment fantasy plots starring beautiful young lolitas who are willing to hang out with eternally single, socially awkward men. This (laughs) fetishization of girlish naivete and innocence is known as moe, and it will dictate the industry's path for the remainder of the decade. Critics, however, believe that the development will potentially hamper Japan's ability to export anime as the moe concept comes across as utterly creepy to most foreign audiences. That was what Matt wrote for 2005. I actually thought that Densha Otoko was hated by the otaku. No. That it's- Densha no. Otoko is uh, a show people love. People loved it, but I thought that Japanese otaku hated it. What, that other book that came out, Denpa? That was a backlash later. But I mean, this was like the thing that people watched it, and it's like, okay, it made Akihabara the cool place to be. And, you know, they started having the things like, hey, ladies, you should date otaku guys, because they will never, ever cheat. I think Densha Otsuko was pretty well-received, like, across the board. The effects, once those started to compound, then people started to realize, hey, what did we sign Mm -hmm. on for here? Anyway... Um, yeah. you know, two, on. 2006. Okay, this is probably one of the highest yet as far as shows produced. We'll talk nearly 200. Lots yeah. of really good and really bad things. Yeah, I've got actually a substantially high amount of things that I liked for this decade. Yeah, I've got a good sized list for this, uh, this It's heat. a little higher than average. I mean, before I was saying, you know, the amount that we liked would remain relatively static compared to the uh, amounts of increase in production. 2006 is kind of an anomaly for that, because I've got quite a few. One that I'll start off with, <laughs> 0091, which mm. I reviewed this. This is an indefensible sort of show. <laughs> well, that, that first episode... Animated version of a Shotaro Ishinomori thing that was more a live-action thing. I think the first episode turns a lot of people away, and I don't think the rest of the series kind of goes as, like, crazy. Really, the, the rest of the show is not really like that at all, and the rest of the show is actually... Very, very slow. I mean, I'm still watch, trying to watch it I wouldn't call it a room. slow show because most of it is very standalone. Slow. It's standalone stories. If you expect a serialized, ongoing plot, okay, maybe every fourth episode is sort of related. Each episode is very slow, though. Like, each episode is basically her, like, 
wandering around very slowly. It's a self-contained caper if you don't like self-contained things. If it's like, you know, okay, if you think Loop on the Third is very slow because no, they aren't really advancing the point. something. You know that's not the point. The point is, is that each episode moves at kind of this glacial pace. I think it depends on what you expect the show to be. If you're expecting it to be like this dirty pair, girls with guns kind of show, it's not that. It's about espionage and intrigue and that sort of thing. And so if you were expecting one thing, then you say, oh, what the hell is this? Where's my, you know, shit blows up show? I don't think you're getting my point. Well, when you say it's slow, it's like, okay, but it's done in one. It's not like this full action thing. And it's certainly not as slow as this other show that I liked that year. Similar structure, Bartender. I reviewed that in a previous episode. Mm. That is a slow anime, even though it's got things done in one. <laughs> I mean, that is the one I'll hold up. I mean, I reviewed it. I said my piece on it in a previous episode. It's definitely not for most people because it's this show about drinking. Mm -hmm. But I thought it was uh, well-crafted and well-made. Let's see, there were a couple of notable shonen series that started this year that were pretty good. Death Note, of course, massive hit. Very good show. People are kind of divided on whether they like the anime adaptation or, or not. Some people feel that it loses something in the transition from manga to anime, but it still, you know, was really successful. Continues, at least the manga, to be, to sell very well, even here in the U.S. And then D. Grayman is a show that people are kind of, of up and down on as, as well. I've fallen behind on it, but it was a show that, that I, I liked. Even Kane is not that big on D. Grayman, and he's like the king of loving the mediocrity. But no, <laughs> yeah, D. Grayman, I don't know if I like it. I mean, I've got a good bit of it. Funimation's releasing it like 13 episodes at a time. Yeah. And they're pretty mm -hmm. far along. I think about halfway through it. Yeah. I just think for the length of it, it's like a hundred some episodes long. Mm -hmm. I think there's probably like better shown in action things out there than D. Grayman. Sure, it's, yeah. I wouldn't say it's at like the top. I would call it middle of the road. I mean, what were your thoughts on Kekaishi, which also came out this year. I know like Reverse Thieves love Kikaishi and I'm like, uh, whatever. I haven't seen it. It's a show that exists and I don't really <laughs> see like why I got the impression of that, that crazy just kind over of it. The next popular show by those guys that can just crap out popular shows like at an unbelievable pace. Same guys that did Detective Conan and City Hunter. Like everything they touch turns into like just a gigantic show apparently. Yeah, I mean, I think as far as a shonen action show this year that is sort of like under the radar-ish, uh, History's Strongest Disciple Kenichi was probably Biggest the selling DVD of last year. Yeah, anime. I like the show a lot. Really? I actually just reviewed it for Otaku USA where I talked about how this is a big sell and it's popular and you'd never know it from reading mm -hmm. about uh, internet feedback. I watched the beginning of it, but I couldn't really quite get into it. It's a show that is bought exclusively by non-anime fans who see this title and they see that it's a cheap show and it's about fighting and it's a ridiculous dumb show. Right, it's much more comical than it is people fighting each other. It's got a lot of pretty capable male and female characters alike and you know the main character is you know a total nut and you'd think it wouldn't be funny because a lot of it is the same joke but it manages to make the same joke work repeatedly. The guy suplexes a shark early on. Yeah. I mean, I mean just that concept. They brought back the voice of the original Koji Kabuto to be the best character in the show who you know mm. beats the shit out of him the Muay Thai instructor. I think like as far as the sort of underrated shonen shows yeah. goes History Strong Disciple Kenichi is probably my top pick and it started this year. Mm -hmm. Although in terms of, of action, especially if you tend to not like the generic shonen type of things, uh, Black Lagoon came out this year. Yeah, that's a sane in one, absolutely. Fantastic. Possibly Fantastic the best 
possibly the best action show of the decade. They just announced third series for Black Lagoon. I don't, finally. It's starting on my birthday. How awesome is that? That's your birthday present. That's Happy one of those birthday. things where... I would say, again, very, very faithful to the manga to the point where it's like, yeah. you may as well just watch the anime. No, yeah, no, reason, no reason to read the manga. There's so. slight differences, but not enough that I think it's really... The big differences come from the fact that she's singing songs while she's blowing them apart. And if you don't know what these songs are, they're just mindless lyrics. Mm. So, like, she's singing, like, some Rob Zombie song in the manga. And I'm like, I don't know what this sounds like. <laughs> just Rob Zombie lyrics, which are fucking weird. Not as fucking weird as that show I made you review a couple episodes back, Kemen Ozume, Masaki Iwasa's TV show. I, I remember we were kind of uh, divided on whether or not that was good. You can go back listen to that episode. That was where I picked things for people to review. Oh, one another more Shonen really... show that I just want to bring up, probably is the one you're going to mention. No. Uh, they finally animated Ring Nikakero. Very, very... We're getting another season of yep. that one, too. Oh, yeah. Coming soon. Season three starts up really slow to fan sub it, but right now, as I check, the first two series have been fan subs. So that's 24 episodes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Adapted from, you know, this old, old manga from the guy who created Saint Seiya. Yeah. I think we actually talked about this in 2004, because yeah. I think... This was yeah. I guess this must be season two of it then. Yeah. yeah. A seinen series. You wouldn't think it was a seinen series by the wife of Hideaki Anno, Hataraki Man. Um, oh, yeah. Very cool show, but it's one of these weird shows that if you described it to someone, you'd say, well, it's about a woman. She's a career woman. When she gets stressed out, she gains the qualities of a man. Perfect. So <laughs> I'm going to watch that. But no, it was uh, actually a really good show. Yeah. There were also a couple of really good movies that came out this year. Um, Paprika, yep. a fantastic Satoshi Kon movie. I reviewed that a couple episodes back or way yep. back. Very and good. also um, Girl Who Leapt Through Time. both, Which I out. also reviewed yeah. uh, a yeah. little while back. And Gerald reviewed Tech on Kinkrete, which is like this close to being a uh, good movie. I actually put it as one of my worst because it was just such a disappointment. The guy who, who was making it just didn't really care. And it was clear. Read the manga for that, yes. I would say. I mean, I, the movie is gorgeous visually, like you said in your review of it in a previous episode. Any mm -hmm. given cell, you can put it in a frame and hang it on your wall. Yeah. Just as a film, it's just very uh, divisive. It's devoid of any emotional content, really. But speaking of things that look kind of gorgeous, okay, they don't, they don't look gorgeous. Musashi Gundo, yes, absolutely, Gerald. <laughs> Probably the best animated oh thing of the year. No, this was a total piece of shit as far as animation. But I mean, I could never get into watching the show even as a joke. I mean, it wasn't, no. it just wasn't bad enough for me. I mean, I know Ko is the biggest Musashi Gundo fanatic that we know. Like, he imported the DVDs from Region 2, and I'm like, it's not that <laughs> shitty. Hold on, he didn't just import the DVDs. He imported the TV versions of the DVDs because they they, they made cleaned they fixed up, the up the animation a little bit, and then people yeah. were like, "No, we want the total piece of shit one." <laughs> <laughs> this might be like the only recorded instance in history of the Japanese exhibiting hints of watching something ironically ooh. Because when has that ever happened? That you know, a show's been that bad that people watch it because it's bad. It wasn't even bad enough for me to watch it like that I remember way. when we went to see Monkey Punch. The thing is, is that this show never really had any sort of audience in America ever. There was never a fan base for it or anything. Didn't even get fan subbed, really. Not really. And all Monkey Punch could do was apologize for the show that no one had ever seen. Yeah, and then he went <laughs> on like YouTube to show clips of it. And he was pulling out like the characters that he originally designed. And he was like, this is what I was working on 20 years ago on the show. 
And so the animation is not my fault. And I think everyone in the audience was like, who the fuck is this show? Talk about Lupin. Yeah. Monkey Punch is in a weird situation where like Lupin is this big cash cow and Lupin isn't successful in America and everything else he's ever created has been kind of shitty. Like mm-hmm. Cinderella Boy or whatever, and Scooper and all that. Yes, yeah, Scoopers. I think he did like an adaptation of the Arabian Nights. You know, maybe it's good. I think that was more like art book kind of stuff. But yeah, sort of a one-trick pony. But what a trick it is. Yeah, so. I think so. I, we got some pretty decent Lupin specials over the years, especially through this mm-hmm. decade. But a lot of them started I to be kind of weird. I think they just announced a big box set in Japan of all of the Lupin TV specials. Costs eight million dollars. <laughs> I would <laughs> not sure. buy that just because so many of them weren't that good. Bad. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the ones that Funimation released are almost all bad. I mean, there's a couple oh, well, of good ones yeah. in Funimation set, but not I wanted really. to bring up this show because I think this show is just infamous in terms of just budget that went into it and no one caring. Freedom? Oh, yeah. Uh, Freedom Project. Oh, yes. the, the cup noodle advertisement? The cup yes. noodle advertisement. Like, they paid for it to be made, and Katsuhiro Otomo did the character designs, and so... When uh, it was time to write the review of it for Otaku USA, Bandai Visual was like, we will not give you pictures if you make mention of the fact that this was sponsored by Cup Noodle or is Katsuhiro Otomo involved with it. And it's like, great, I have to throw my article away now because how can you talk about this thing if you don't bring up fucking Katsuhiro Otomo or Cup Noodle? That's all that's there. And it's I, so uh, bizarre to me that they wouldn't yeah. want you to mention Otomo. Wouldn't that be a selling point? This is fucking Bandai. They're the most ridiculous huh. people ever. Like, no, uh. you cannot talk about Code Geass in the magazine. And I, <laughs> we forgot to mention that Code Geass, I believe, started this year. Yes, it did. Gerald's other favorite show. I wasn't sure if I wanted to talk about it because I wasn't sure if I wanted to listen to Gerald bitch about it. Yeah, but, but pretty big franchise over there. But I mean, Freedom, that's the first questions that I asked at the Bandai visual panel was because we weren't allowed to use them in, in the magazine at all was the Cup New thing and the Otomo thing. Stupid, stupid company. And you know what? Believe it or not, the anime itself is actually okay. I mean, it looks pretty terrible. Very expensively animated technique to make a not-so-great-looking result. I thought it was very mediocre. Very mediocre. Right, but it was costly expensive, and it doesn't look costly expensive. The actual anime is, it's okay. Yeah, there's a lot of mediocre stuff that gets made, and it's easy to make something that's mediocre. You may as well spend your time, instead of watching all six episodes of Freedom Project, just sit down and watch Ghost in the Shell Solid State Society, (laughs) which came out this year, and I don't believe anyone else has seen Solid State Society except me, is that correct? I need to get a copy of it. Okay, yeah, I bought like the Super Deluxe Ultimate Edition, that was actually the first thing I reviewed in Otaku USA ever was Solid State Society, if I'm not mistaken. Great movie. I mean, it's basically the standalone complex take on the first Ghost in the Shell movie that Oshi did. Kind of sort of a remake, but not really. Right. Let's see. Talking about things that were uh, phenomenally successful, Haruhi Suzumiya came out. Oh, yeah. It's not even on my list. (laughs) But I'll acknowledge that it was a colossally huge hit. It was supposed to be like the new Gundam almost. Yeah. I mean, it's a show that I liked. The second season was disappointing, so I think they may have ruined it now, but... Um, I don't movie think, just came out. I don't think so. they ruined it. I think they kind yeah, of, like, tested to see... I guess that movie was successful, How so. far they could get away with it, how far could they push people, and... How yeah. much they can abuse people, and who will still come for this. And the so. answer was infinite. Infinity. Yeah, yeah I they, guess they so. Can, I believe that if they do a third season, it will just be nothing but fat people taking a shit on camera. It's gonna be the idiocracy Oscar award winning ass, but it's gonna be Mikuru's ass. Yes, yes. It's not even gonna be Mikuru's ass. She's gonna gonna be be complaining, no, keep the camera out of my ass. (laughs) The whole time. 
Uh, and, and it'll sell 13 like episodes 13 episodes 150,000 copies on Blu-ray because anime fans can be dumb a lot of the time that was yeah. uh, you know, undeniable a huge thing but mm-hmm. not huge in America really like you'd think all the hype right talked about this we reviewed this mm-hmm. kind of like at the tail end of like the fan sub mania for it mm-hmm. I mean it was still going on and it hadn't yeah. come out in America yet. It came out in America and it didn't sell that well. Not well at all. Yeah, I've been trying to figure it out. And I don't know if some of it is what Matt mentioned, that the amount that it's targeted towards otaku makes it less marketable here because maybe otaku aren't really the same here as they are in Japan. Or if it's just kind of in between. So like the people who really, really like the, the wacky school comedy shows, there's too much sci-fi and they get weirded out by the out of order broadcasting. Although the DVDs had both. Yeah, if you paid the $80 per volume. Yeah. Well, no, no, no. Think- no, you had to buy the limited to get the TV airing order that was not in chronological order. Which the, is really the weird, because that makes it a whole different show. Right. Yeah. The basic DVDs actually have the chronological order, which makes it less confusing, but it also totally ruins the pacing of the show. Yeah, I mean, so, the idea is that all of the sci-fi elements were all supposed to be introduced at the end of the show, but in the chronological airing, it's just all over the place. But yeah, I think it's a great kind of study almost as to why it was the phenomenon it was there and why it was just a blip on a radar here at yeah. best. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the people who were just like the most ardent and the most vocal, like when it ultimately came down to it, they kind of just were like, I got my fan subs, I don't need the DVD. Yeah. It's easy for people to go on the internet and post, oh, I bought it, but anyone can type, oh, I bought it on the internet. Obviously, yeah. the numbers say otherwise that most people did not. Uh, I'm going to sort of throw this out there. It's kind of like an almost counterpoint to Haruhi. Also very, very popular, but when it came out in America, it did very well. Or on High School Host Club came out mm. in 2006, which yeah. I own twice over. I've got like a DVD set, and now <laughs> I got like the Blu-ray Oran, which is oh, completely... Hold on, hold on. By own, did you buy it, or was it sent to us? This was like Calcane also owns Oran. It's like, you know, the only guys I know who own like straight up own Oron are guys. So you like <laughs> come over to people's houses and you know Oron is just on. Really? I've never seen guys really interested in that show. I only see girls who are around no, here. The only people I know. Like yeah, a lot of guys watch it because it's all about being a P I N P or whatever. It's a funny show. It's it is what it is. It's very um very similar to Haruhi as far as like appeasing the same dark gods. And not really uh, making any bones about it. Like, Haruhi is very shameless about And this is for pedophiles. Isn't this awesome? Or, you know, whatever it is they do. And Oran and is, is like, check it out. This is for people who are Yaoi fans who are also pedophiles. Isn't this awesome? <laughs> and the answer is, there, there you go. But it's a very well done show. And yeah, it, and it's sold well here as well. And the I, thing is, and it, and it realizes that it's ridiculous. And I think that that helps. But. At the same time, it's again, like I said, for Dokuro-chan, it's like, okay, you're aware of what you're doing, but you're still yeah. doing it. <laughs> right, right. So who's really getting played here? <laughs> yeah, actually, a couple good shoujo pieces. Um, you mentioned Oran. Also, um, this year was the year that they started the anime adaptation of Nana, which is like, I think, the top-selling shoujo manga of all time. All time, by the same Ayazawa, creator of Paradise Kiss. Yeah, like, Is it still going on? Yes. The manga. I thought yeah. Nana um, was, like, ending. I could be wrong. I'm not, like, read I'd up on Nana. I'd have to check again. I, I think it's finishing up. It may have actually ended by now. Clarissa, I know that you had problems with where the manga went after that, and I heard that from actually a lot of Nana fans. 
that they well like, i haven't i haven't finished it so i don't yeah, know. I know late in the manga a certain events happened and i know people a lot of a lot of girls i know and some guys i know who are reading it really didn't like the direction yeah. but... it's kind of one of those things where i don't know if i'd say it's bad i mean i think it's still a phenomenal series at that point it's more like the characters are portrayed realistically and so real people tend to fuck up and they make shitty decisions things don't necessarily turn out the way that they wanted them to then that's what happens and so bad things happen and people make bad decisions and so it's really painful but at the, the same time i don't know if i could say it's bad yeah this is actually the first show you reviewed on the podcast was nana like i think mm -hmm. the first ever episode we did you had the nana review yeah i think the argument that i'd heard about nana was that people were a lot more interested in the relationship between the two nanas than they were with anything else yeah yeah and, then and she kind of on, knew that's... to like keep that ambiguous enough for like you know all the people who are into the the yuri side of things and all the people right. who are into like pairing up with you know so and so and i guess right. if you're going to end something you can't really unless you're Miko takahashi <laughs> Yeah, and then the, the, the other the other shoujo thing that I wanted to, to point out is, unfortunately, shoujo anime tends to not do very well, period, in America, but this is uh, especially the type of show that is just not going to sell, and it really hasn't, so we will probably never get the subsequent seasons, but Story of Sai and Koku. I like that one a lot. It's a fantastic series. It's a political drama and romance set in a pseudo-ancient China it's very much like historical China, but it's not exactly the same, like, uh, royal families or, or noble families, and it's, there's, like, magic and... Fushigi Yugi, but not utterly shitty. No, no, that's the Twelve Kingdoms, which I mentioned in a previous <laughs> episode, and yeah. I, I still list Twelve Kingdoms as, like, one of the top of the decade, and given the choice between Twelve Kingdoms and Sai and Koku, I'd say Twelve Kingdoms, but pretty much mm -hmm. everyone who likes Twelve Kingdoms is probably gonna like the story of Sai and Koku as well. I mean, they're both very similar shows. They're both very well made. They're both very well done. I wanted to bring up these uh, shorts that came out this year as well, which sound like gay porn, but that's not. And that is Amazing Nuts, which was a studio. <laughs> it's for it's C. Forces, their music oh. videos. Yeah, music okay. videos, which I, I liked a lot. I thought that they were actually very cool, very inventive, and I thought that they used some of the strengths of 4C really well. Yeah, I oftentimes, as leader material for a panel, I'll be running a video from Amazing Nuts. Mm -hmm. It's a cool music video, and they're all pretty well made. Yeah. Uh, it's basically like how they keep around how they like fund themselves is how they by making these music videos and so they basically released a dvd of their music videos i want to bring up another pretty cool show ergo proxy now, i reviewed ergo proxy actually <laughs> uh in the past in the magazine as well as on this podcast that was a show i mean it looked beautiful great visual aesthetic great music great atmosphere i just didn't like the ongoing story that much i mean i really like the standalone episodes i mean if you want to hear my full deal on that listen to or read the review of it but uh, no i was gonna say kind of a underrated show neil nadelman is kind of like the main person i know who'd been like advocating it a zegapane has anyone else seen the show Oh, yeah, that was the one that was um, sponsored by Microsoft. Microsoft, yes, by the Xbox 360, please. Yeah, this was the show for that. Premise is very similar to The Matrix in a lot of ways. It's a very green color palette as well. So maybe after the fact that, you know, the world was burned by The Matrix Revolutions and all that, that a lot of people steered clear of Zegapain. It was actually a pretty decently done show, I thought. 
it's one of those shows where you could never ever sell that show on its premise to anybody. No, because the premise is to, like the most shitty, like overdone yes. premise ever. You have to sell it on recommendations from people that you trust. Yeah, and there's, there's no and that's other a hard way to do deal. It. I mean, and also Neil Nadelman is slightly untrustworthy <laughs> due to his intense love and dedication of uh, Yuki Kaze and the Apple. Yes, so. the Apple. Yes, the greatest <laughs> movie ever. I wanted to briefly mention Higurashi, which also came out this year. Yep, When They Cry, Higurashi. Yeah, I don't know how well it's been doing here in the U.S. Um, Not well, I imagine. Yeah, that's what I, uh, I don't think it is. But very popular series in Japan based off doujin games. Yeah, one of the first examples of like the doujin game to hit it big was yeah. Higurashi. And then, you know, they adapted it into not one, but two uh, anime series. Actually, the previous year we saw one of the worst things ever, Fate Stay Night, come out. Which, again, <laughs> doujin game. The amount of people Aaron who love that show. show. Yeah, well, at least Aaron Finnegan's favorite show. I mean, she actually hates that show. But I know people who... Love that show, and it's like, oh, Saber, such a great character. Oh, such a boring... What the fuck are you nothing. talking about? This show blows. I think most of the people who are big fans of it are people who also play the game. Play the game, I'm guessing that. Yeah. And there's always a lot more stuff in the game that can never get fit into the, the TV series. It's always difficult with those adaptations, because there's just so much content, and you have to, like, pare it down to one storyline. I totally agree that maybe they didn't take a very good storyline, and they probably didn't. But then they say, like, oh, but, you know, this anime series that those guys did is so much better, and it also blows. <laughs> right, so, I mean, I haven't played the game, so I don't know, maybe the games are shitty, too. I'm All very, very are... distrustful of Kanan and the recommendations for it because of what you just spoke of. Yeah, all of them are just, like, these really boring, <laughs> boring-ass shows that these guys will watch, and I don't fucking get it. I, I don't see what they see in these shows. It yeah. kills they me. mentally fill in the porno scene that is taken out of the TV show and also the game. the video game. Yes. And then there was another one that I, I wasn't sure if I wanted to mention it, but I, I, maybe we can get something out of this, but this was... Underwater a, Ray Romano? No. This was another show that much more so than Strawberry Marshmallow that you just feel like a terrible, terrible person for watching it and liking it, let alone admitting that you like it. But somehow it was really fantastic, and we enjoyed it, which was a magical Pokemon. Uh, that—that's the big secret. That was going to be the last episode reveal. But no, oh no. no, 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 it wasn't. It wasn't. I've got much, I've got much more horrible secrets. Uh, but it's... yeah, I mean, Pokemon is—you can't really defend liking that show. I don't think. But I don't know. It was entertaining. I think the real entertainment was the ultimate show, government crime investigation agent Zaizen <laughs> oh, Jotaro. Yeah. Oh, God, I didn't realize that Where was Where are the rest of my fan subs? Hell yeah. That show is the bomb. Not just one episode. I will admit that the later episodes that were fan sub were fucking boring as hell. But Yeah, I think it kind of went downhill. It huh? ended on a good cliffhanger. It's like, I bought the hotel. And then, you know, he gets on the plane. Plane explodes. <laughs> <laughs> like, I loved those first episodes. They were ridiculous. And then later episodes were like corporate drama. It's like, ah, oh, yeah, he was building this building and the, with the cement and the cement was bad. And <laughs> I don't know, just right. bad Chinese construction equipment. Oh, and we forgot to mention um, Simone, which is actually a good show. I didn't watch it. I mean, I've heard from people that it's good, but I don't know yeah. if it's actually good. The show that they have to say in the fan subs that this is not hentai because the opening has got two girls in a full on full mouth kiss. Which is yeah. how, how you watch the whole show. How, how the, 
which is how they they sync up to to fly their planes. But yeah, it was... you started to see a lot more of that in like the mecha things. Like I don't think so. Say no aquarium. That, that I don't think that was this year. Was that the orgasm show? Yes, it was the uh, uh, you know fourteen year old kids have orgasms to uh, sync up the robot uh, uh, show by Shoji Kamori. Oh, uh, Darius loves that show. I think this was the year where shit started to fall apart. In America. Yeah, I mean, I, I still have a couple more things I just want to quickly mention. I don't know if anybody watched the Galaxy Railways. I keep meaning to. It's on my yeah. list, and I just never get around to yeah, it. Yeah, Leiji Matsumoto, I mean, throughout this decade, he'd been doing tons and tons of remakes. A lot of them were just very lackluster. But I think his best one, it wasn't a full-on remake proper, but the Galaxy Railways is ostensibly similar in a lot of ways to Galaxy Express 3.9. Mm -hmm. This was the second season or second series of it was this year, and we never got in America because Funimation took a huge bath on releasing the first series here mm -hmm. in America. I don't blame him. I, I don't blame him for not doing it, but I mean, you know, the show is good, and the second mm -hmm. season is, is also good, and I just thought I should mention that, I mean, because so many of them, like, the only person I know who tolerated Space Symphony Maytel is Patrick Macias. <laughs> if you like Queen Millennia that much, and you know, you do like, you know, Maytel Legend, which is basically Queen Millennia again, only not as good, you'll want to watch these things, but I was just like, I'm not feeling all these remakes, it's like, I want them to be good, but they were just like, falling short for me. And Galaxy Railways, I thought, delivered. The onslaught of Fist of the North Star remakes really started to kick off this year. Like, they started the first of the three movies and two OAVs and then, like, the extra TV shows and stuff. That all started this year as well. I mean, they started their own studio, North Star's Pictures, just for releasing all these remakes that are still coming out manga-wise and all that. no one in Japan cares about Fist yeah, of the Yeah, I know. Justin Savekas no said it. Japan. It can't possibly be wrong. P.S. A badass new game is about to come out. Dynasty Warriors, Fist of the North Star. The engine that that game was born to be made for. Pretty much. One guy murdering a billion dudes who just kind of are completely ineffectual in the face of the onslaught. Wow, we had a lot to talk about in 2006. That we, no, we spent less time on 2006 than 2005. I'm just kind of quickly looking through mm -hmm. the list to see if there was anything like major that we... Yeah. Well, I was going to mention other things. I think we got through stuff that... faster, and we didn't talk about as many shitty shows. Yeah, I mean, because I mean, I could talk about like, oh, flag. Why wasn't this a good show? It should have been a good show. I was going to welcome talk to the about... NHK. This is fuck you, Gonzo. You know, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Witchblade, why weren't you? Oh, you were exactly what I expected you to be because you were a Gonzo <laughs> show. Oh, and you were shitty still. I'll mention it, but as far as the super otaku only sorts of shows, this was an OAV MS Igloo. This was like uh, yeah. them throwing people a bone to all the people who wanted the real Gundam, but it was done like in this fully 3D CG. Creepy faces. Yeah, creepy. facial animation was kind of not really there yet. That show confused me. I haven't watched it, but the only model kits I would ever see were like really realistic tanks. So I was like, is this just like a tank show? No, I'm not really not quite. I mean, the show itself is actually pretty good, but again, you gotta be steeped in your Universal Century Gundam lore. Gundam Unicorn just came out, and that's being a lot more well-received, it seems. Hardcore Gundam fans, this is what they've been waiting for, because it's that UC Gundam feel... But it's not like some weird CG thing. It's right. got like all the original character designs and all that. But Igloo had its following, and I, I'm not gonna bash it. I liked it, but I can't recommend that to people. I just remember blindly. they spent gigantic amounts of time modeling those mechs, and then they put like the shittiest possible texture on the ground that they could possibly put. I just remember just because I had to do that stuff for a job at one point that that just stood out to me. 
Another show, I, I got so much shit for saying this show was good. <laughs> Le Chevalier Dayon, this was a production IG thing. I thought it was a pretty interesting show. You only watched the first five episodes, though, right? No, I, I watched through it. I mean, I'll give people this. It does slow down a bit once they go to Russia, which is the middle part of the show. But I think overall, the show was, was a pretty well-done show. It wasn't as good as the follow-up show, which was Moribito. We'll talk about that next time. Production IG, I thought they did a pretty good job. Paul Chapman hates it. Dave and Joel hate it. Screw them. The show was pretty decently done. You can get it all for pretty cheap now. It was at least an attempt at making something that wasn't total otaku bait. Even Gonzo tried and failed to, you know, oh, do was like... that glass fleet? <laughs> that wasn't an otaku. That wasn't like trying to not be otaku show. That was trying to be like the space opera. Oh. That might that be was... the last new space opera that's been made. No, there was, um, what's that show? Uh, I'm blanking on the name now. Never mind, go on. You know, if Gundam Sea Destiny was the biggest disappointment, Glass Fleet's the second biggest disappointment, and Macross Zero is somewhere in there as well. I don't even want to go into that, because I was just, like, pissed off at Glass Fleet. It looked so promising, too. I was really excited, like, looking at the character designs and reading the descriptions <laughs> of the back of the DVDs. And, oh. I remember you messaging me as you were watching it or so and just saying, this, this is some bullshit. This is the gayest <laughs> shit I've ever seen. There's a little boy running around going, I want to sleep with this man. That's how gay the show is. That literally happens. But I mean, like the problem with it is like you get Kazutake Miyatake and Shoji Kawamori and you get like what should be like this sort of combination Rose of Versailles, Legend of Galactic Heroes, Macross, Captain Harlock show and you fuck it up. And I was like, God, if it didn't have so much potential to be like one of the shows of the decade and just like be completely terrible, I wouldn't even remember Glass Fleet existing. Yeah, that's always the worst, is when a good potential is just ruined. Yeah, that, That's I mean, why I brought out Freedom. It seemed like it could have been such a good thing, and it was just mediocre shit. Yeah, whereas, like, it's, I'm not gonna, like, you know, shed a tear for, like, oh, Black Blood Brothers, that show is weak, because it's like, who cares? Everyone can tell. Yeah, like, Toko, that was a dumb idea from the beginning, and it was a <laughs> dumb show, and a stupid, shitty piece of crap that Dave and Joel did a good review of. Listen to that review, it's such a shitty show. Was it better or worse than Kujibiki Unbalance? Um... <laughs> Oh, God. I forgot about Kujibiki Unbalanced. You know, Kuchi Wait, the, the, the original is, OAVs or the TV the series? The TV series. I never oh. saw the TV series because the OAVs, out of context, they're actually kind of entertaining because every episode is the stupid contest that they have to do. And out of context, it's a little bit entertaining. But it, God damn it that that show got a TV series and then people have to like buy that and if, if they want to get their Genshiken fix. Ugh. Man. You know, um, Jonathan from Winterhaven is probably extremely upset that none of us bothered to even acknowledge the existence of Buso Rankin. What's that show? Exactly. <laughs> it was a shonen series that was put up by the creator of Uroni Kenshin, and it got canceled for being uh, not popular, and then they made an anime out of it anyway. And I guess the anime actually ran longer than the manga, and it was very much like, alchemy is the hot thing, I can do this alchemy gimmick too. And if your previous work is Kenshin, which is the most successful or like one of the most successful mm -hmm. of all time shonen shows released at the peak of Shonen Jump's ultimate popularity when they're doing six million a week and your subsequent follow-up is Buso Rankin, I was not feeling that one. Yeah, let's see what Matt Alt says to wrap up 2006. Very, very terse. It's maybe only a sentence or two. The industry achieves peak revenues of 241.5 billion yen a year. More animated fare is being created than ever before. In spite of this apparent success, it becomes public that a third of people working in the anime industry 
make less than 1 million yen a year, which is a poverty level wage. And that's all he has to say about 2006. I mean, like you can see, yeah, the total number of shows they made is staggering. I mean, it seems like we had a, a lot of things that we liked for this year, but a lot of it was just shit and a lot of it came out here. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of the stuff that we're not even bothering to mention, like, oh, save me a lollipop. That came out here. Wasn't this the year that ADV... Uh, licensed everything? Up? Well, they licensed everything because they got with that company whose name I'm... Sojits. Sojits. Oh, Sojits, yeah. I forgot if that was the year, this is the year that it happened, or this is the year that it fell apart. I'm yeah, pretty sure know. it happened this year and fell apart like a little afterwards. Oh, eight, maybe? Yeah, yeah. it sounds right. Because, I mean, you know, they, they licensed tons and tons of this stuff that I just didn't even bother yeah. to watch. Gerald's other favorite, Kaplu Dynamite. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that was never licensed, even though that's entirely done in English. That is so bad that no one would bother licensing that. Think about that. Wow. Think about that, Alexander Strange. So. <laughs> is he the one who's really, like, uh, going to bat for Kaplu Dynamite? No, no, I don't think he is. I think he realizes that it's utter shit. I think it he just is, wants a review of it. Oh, it is okay. a unique pile of shit. It's like that shit that's suddenly got a plastic toy in it. You just have to kind of stop and look at this pile of shit. But that's about it. <laughs> I guess we'll wrap it up here then. I mean, you know, we took a little longer than, you know, even usual because we don't have Matt Alt with his ticking time bomb. <laughs> With his life. I didn't even bother to mention the really bad CG Dominion tank police. Tank, tank SWAT. Yeah, that thing sucked ass too. I mean, same guy. You same... didn't need to mention it. Right. Cause there's just, there's so many things here that's like, Oh my God, this thing's terrible and it got fan subbed or this thing's terrible and it came out in America. Mm -hmm. Yep. The list for 2006 just goes on and on and on. This is where the seeds were laid for 2008. Right. Think about it, everybody. This is where all of the shit got licensed, and no one was buying it, but there was a mm -hmm. lots of money there, and they weren't thinking about quality, and so this is this is yep. where it all started. Yeah, I don't know if I should give a mention to it, since it's not really an anime movie, it's more live action, but oh, she had a movie <laughs> this year. The Fast Food Grifters, has anyone seen it? Oh, God. I, I, nobody, I know that <laughs> Jeremy really wanted to see that and he couldn't find any fan subs of it and I he had he to bought like a hong kong bootleg of it and he had to like do it himself or something it's uh that's weird as hell movie i mean it you know has shoji kawamori in the movie and you know bought a weird anime industry folks allegedly it's tied into the same universe as like jinro and all that but uh, you'd be hard pressed to tell i want to see it i do want to see it i would watch the fuck out of it even at his absolute worst Oshi is interesting. Yeah, I think so. Anyway, yeah. we're going to cut this off from here. Uh, you know, we got through two more years. <laughs> we spent far more time talking about, like, bland mediocrity than even stuff that we intensely liked or intensely disliked. So to any of you people making that list, that list is not going to be meaningful one iota <laughs> as far as, like, you know, things we mentioned because it's just like, and it's a list of things that happen. Tune in next time. We'll try and have this episode out uh, next part next week. Yeah, actual next episode should be out soon. Oh, I just want to mention this really, really quickly. Normally, this would be a news bit, but Dirty Pair TV series got licensed. That's kind of a big deal. Yep, and Extra was like a huge proponent of Dirty Pair TV way back All in the I... day. That's how I had my fan subs of it. That's where a lot of the digital fan subs came from. I still have those. All I want to say to this is... What the fuck is wrong with you, David Williams? You were saying you were going to license the show for years, years and years and years, and you never did it. What's up? And think of, like, the amount of other things he licensed instead yes. of this. DN Angel! DN 
Angel. That made serious money for him, though. <sighs> I don't know how, but it did. Yeah, Right Stuff is licensing it, bringing it out. I mean, right now, like at least at the time of recording, the sale will be done by the time this comes out. But yeah. they had a big 40% off sale such that you know you could get the whole series for like $54 or $60 or whatever. But it's still like 30 bucks each box out. I think it's 30 bucks or something. I'm going to throw this out there. Personally, the TV series I think is okay. I still think Project Eden and stuff is the best because it's got the biggest budget behind it. But the TV series doesn't look bad or anything. The TV series has got some awesome episodes later on. Yeah. Really, really, really good stuff. But, I mean, if you were to say, like, what was the worst of original Dirty Pair, I would, would say stuff the... like, yeah, a lot of the TV episodes. No, I think the OAVs. Yeah, well, some of the later OAVs were actually meant to be TV sh episodes, right? Because um, it was originally last... cut short. Like, it was supposed to be a 26-episode show, but only 24 came out, and two episodes, I think, were, were OAV, part of the OAVs. Something like that, but some, some of the OAVs were pretty bad. Not as bad as, say, Dirty Pair Flash. I know a lot of people who go to serious bat for Dirty Pair Flash. I am not one of them. Later sections are good, but you have to get through six episodes of the most dire shit you've ever seen to get to that, and it's not really worth it. All right, well, I guess we'll, uh, we'll stop it here. Um, yeah. Tune in next time, I guess, for the... Ever continuing decade in review where we will hopefully get through 2007, 8, and we'll just throw in 9 for the hell of it and it'll be a slightly longer. I think this is officially the most ridiculous decade review. Uh, oh, well. We just couldn't do it. We wanted to get everything done in two hours with Matt Alt. How hilarious is that? Can't happen. I'm in stop. <laughs>